Hi, I'm Tony Holbein. This is the Revenue Formula. Today, we're going to discuss how to put revenue back into revenue operations. We're going to explain what that actually means. And afterward, we're going to follow up on how you can take this and become more strategic in your day-to-day -day job. So it's pretty hot. We're melting in here. It's, it's, it's not that bad yet. <laughs> But it's you, not that bad yet. You can see the sun. It's gonna, you know, I hope it's a short episode because otherwise we're gonna die halfway through. Oh, let's go. I'm uh, really excited about the setup here. So, yeah. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of gong calls. Mm. We've talked with a lot of customers, done a lot of interviews. We have, you know, Haley interviewing customers mm -hmm. uh, however often we can. And there's something that keeps surfacing again and again. Yeah. And is we have this wonderful team called RevOps. And there's revenue in that name. But what they're spending a lot of time on is actually a lot of other things. So it's a lot about tools and a lot about meetings, quite frankly, and processes. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it would be relevant for us to talk a bit about why is that? What should RevOps actually spend their time on? And how do we go that direction, right? Yeah. That's, that's really, I think, why anyone should listen to this episode mm -hmm. um, and what we're going to cover today. So I think the first step for us is really to talk just for a second about why does RevOps actually exist? Mm -hmm. It's it's a fairly new thing, right, for B2B SaaS in particular. I think, what, it's five years now? It's uh, probably a little bit longer, but that let's just say that time frame, like five, seven years, maybe something like that. Yeah. And why, you know, first off, why did it appear mm -hmm. in the org? Mm -hmm. I think revenue operations is a evolution out of sales operations. And sales operations is an evolution out of, you could almost say, IT or system admins or something like that. Right? It really started with the sales team needing to use a CRM. And at first, that was uh, rooted with the very um, central function of IT you might say, and maybe that's 10, 15 years ago. So I don't know. I wasn't around back then. Uh, but more and more, they realized, hey, no, this needs to sit closer to sales. And that's then when you had the CRM system admin that uh, made sure that the process that the sales team should be running and the notes that they should be taking, all of that stuff has a home, the CRM. And um, the, the evolution of that then became that, hey, what are the things we can do with that CRM? And those things are, hey, we can pull a report. Hey, we can see a dashboard. Hey, we can uh, have, an, have a conversation in a one-on-one -on -one with a sales rep on, you're not doing your activities or this deal is too long and in the pipeline. And that, that next step then became sales operations. So basically including both tooling and some reporting and analysis. And I think that that specific function, I don't know since when that existed, sales operations, but basically the, the right hand of the, the VP sales probably has existed for a while. Mm. And the reason why that then jumped to revenue operations is really the emergence of SaaS, I think. Mm. And the reason for that is that, let's say 15, 20 years ago, SAP or SAP, they were still selling 
CD-ROMs that they sent to their customers and then that was installed. And then five years later, the account manager called them up again and said like, hey, you need to basically pay the same fee again for basically the same thing, just a little bit better. Updated five years later. It's a little faster, a little bit yeah. more expensive. Yes. And uh, and that was, that, was, that was the customer life cycle, if you will. Um, you sent them the, I mean, I'm, it's, it's was, especially for something like SAP, probably a little bit more than just the CD-ROM. But basically, that was the idea of customer success, right? And then you basically enter SaaS. Yeah? Uh, the reason why SaaS exists is that those upfront costs of buying SAP for five to 10 years, really high. Lots of trust needs to be developed between the buyer and the seller before someone would do that. Lots of upfront work needs to go into, you know, buying the mainframe and putting it on there and, you know, all of that, all of that jazz. And SaaS then was like, well, wait a minute. If we flip this instead of a one-off cost into a recurring fee, then we can make it much, much cheaper, actually. And we align it with the value that's being delivered. Mm -hmm. That really was the fundamental idea. And that's also why this business model works so great right now, right? Kind of the barrier to entry much lower and you feel you pay as you go, as you have the value. But what then happened is that it wasn't just the CD-ROM anymore that you sent. Suddenly it was a continuous relationship between the buyer and the seller. And that relationship then wasn't really managed through customer support, which is usually the technical issues or taking care of things, but that they needed customer success or something similar. I think customer success very much coined by Gainsight. Mm. So it's really a role that they literally invented. But that, that concept of having a person that helps you be successful with a tool, because if you don't have that, why would you keep, pay yeah. keep paying for the tool, right? And so there was a long way around <laughs> the actual answer here, which is the realization that it's not only about sales anymore. It's actually also about what happens after that sale which is equally important, right? Mm. And suddenly you are not only sales, suddenly you have kind of CS, you kind of zoom out a little bit, you know, marketing pretty quickly appears on the picture. And then you realize for a customer in that SaaS environment to be really happy with the company that they're buying from, all of that journey actually needs to be aligned. And, and that, that alignment happens obviously on the process side and, and messaging and all of these other things but it also happens on the tool and data side, mm. right? And suddenly, wait a minute, processes, tools, data, that seems like an operational function. Yeah. And then wait a minute, that is not just in sales, marketing, or CS, it's actually across the board. And if those operations people don't work closely with one another, then they're basically gonna build misaligned processes and tools and data. So let's bring them all together in the same team. Let's have all an understanding of how the end-to-end -end process should look like. And there you go, revenue operations. Mm. Yeah? And that is really the, I feel that's the evolution to date of revenue operations. Obviously, I have some ideas how that's going to continue and so forth, but uh, maybe back to you, Michael. Yeah. I mean, so, so it sounds super interesting, right? This, this concept now emerging with the tool stack, getting more and more sophisticated, right? And, and owning intent, the full funnel. Basically, one of the symptoms we've discussed a lot is sales and marketing being at odds with each other, yeah. right? And I'm guessing this is also a point where bringing in a centralized function pretty much that works across, they should ensure that there isn't that misalignment, that mm -hmm. you're working towards the same goal. Mm -hmm. I think revenue operations can play a role in this and, and they are playing a role in it. 
I think it's a little bit too far-fetched to say you install RevOps or call someone that is really sales ops RevOps and then you solved it. I think that's, that's, that's probably the wrong way to go about it because really to, to create that alignment, you really need to have a powerful revenue operations function that can speak on eye level with the VP marketing and the VP sales, thus can't report into either and, uh, and call out each other's BS, mm. um, which is important, but also can understand and see both sides because that's usually what I see is lacking from a VP of sales that is like, hey, I want those leads and the VP marketing, hey, you're not treating my leads properly. And obviously the problem is way more complicated than just that. But that's usually, that's usually something that needs fixing, right? And many people now go the CRO route, chief revenue officer. And whenever there's a marketing person that is unhappy about the CRO idea, it's usually because it was a previous VP sales that continues to be a VP sales, but just as a more senior title and now owns marketing. Um, and that doesn't work out, right? But in that context, having a revenue operations function that is strong enough, sitting either um, you know, just below the CRO, or you know, if you don't have that, sitting with the CEO or the CEO or so forth, that can actually help and uh, mitigate some of the friction that exists between those two departments. Mm. And I think step number one in order to solve it is let's let's align on those numbers. And also, hey, it can't just be more MQLs. There's a little bit more to it. Mm. So let's discuss that and figure this out. And then on the other side, on the sales side, also very you know clearly, also an understanding that it's not about, hey, just add more yeah. dollars and then there will be more. And why isn't there more? There just simply needs to be an understanding on both sides. And I think if you have a great VP revenue operations or director revenue operations or something like that, they can actually help mitigate some of those issues mm. if, if there isn't a CRO that can do that for them or with them. Yeah. I think we should take a little step back and dig into the problem, yeah. right? Because there are lots of B2B SaaS companies out there. They have RevOps. Mm -hmm. Um, but what we're seeing across Slack communities and those those interviews and just the network we have within RevOps, something is is a bit off, right? Yeah. So, just to to your view, what are they usually spending most of their time on in a, in a regular B two B SaaS today? Mm -hmm. I think their day to day exists very much of fixing processes, installing tools, creating ad hoc reports calculating commissions, these kind of things. All the fun stuff. <laughs> and well, it's it's not fun, but it obviously kind of comes with the, I mean, it is part of the job description. Yeah. And they, and they should be doing it. Don't get me wrong, right? This is not a, oh, wow, everyone is getting revenue ops wrong. They shouldn't be doing any of these things. That's not about that. What, um, and maybe I'm kind of jumping ahead here. I mean, it's it's funny, right? Because in in marketing, you have the same conundrum, right? There's a lot of things that you just need to do and, yeah. it, and it makes up a lot of time and I heard uh, Olafur our uh, co-founder here at Growblocks talk about revenue operations they need to be ahead of the business and you don't get there by just doing the commissions and you know ad hoc mm -hmm. reporting you need to spend your time on other things mm -hmm. right and that's I, I think then the next layer if if you have a RevOps function that's spending a lot of time on these things that needs to happen. Let's talk a bit about what are the things that also should happen from that team that should come from, yeah. from RevOps. Right? Yes. 
I think what what is a little bit sad, and this is the reason why we're kind of talking about let's put the revenue back into revenue operations. What has happened or is still ongoing is that there is an acknowledgement that revenue operations is a need to have for organizations. In many cases, it's been a title that's been slapped on on a sales operations person and or team or mindset that is then not evolving to mm. be fully end to end. But also because your day is filled with some of these more basic tasks, I think what happens is that a lot of folks simply get lost there. They get, they get and, eaten. And I think it's, you know, it's, I think it's probably both ends of the spectrum. I think some basically want to do something else, but don't get to because they kind of are stuck there. And revenue operations is again, one of those teams that is always understaffed and underfunded, right? But at the same time, if you're really in this motion all the time, it's also very easy to feel comfortable there and not start thinking about the other side, right? And the other side for, for Olaf and I and, and, and the Growblox in, in general is how can you use those superpowers that revenue operations possesses? How can you use them for things that are value generating, revenue generating for the organization? And these thoughts usually don't just happen by themselves with some of the revenue operations professionals that we're talking to. It's very much my day to day. But what you can actually do with all of that extremely rich commercial or funnel or whatever data, you can project it forward. You can connect it to cost and see how your funnel suddenly breaks down. You can install very strong and clear habits in the organization. What does that really mean? That's like monthly business reviews, quarterly business reviews, bi-weekly check-ins with the revenue leaders, be taking a, a large part of the budget planning on the annual level, right? Not only, hey, how much money do we have available, which is usually a finance conversation, mm. but also how do we get to the revenue target that's been pointed out? And finance would love to do some of these things. And I think uh, we're seeing more and more finance teams that are starting to add some of the RevOps skills and they call it RevOps actually within the organizations. But it's really this rich understanding of the commercial data and using it to support the revenue assumptions and the revenue targets that they are putting out there. And once you explain that to a RevOps person, the understanding very quickly, oh, geez, I, I can, yeah, you're right. I can actually do all of these things. But very few actually get to the point where they really proactively leverage their superpowers of data tools and processes mm and project it forward and or use it really to generate uh, revenue impact for the organization. And, and just kind of to finish off my rant on this, how is that, how's Tony, how's that generating revenue? I can promise you, if you run for 12 months, really strong MBRs, QBRs, check-ins, whatever, with your revenue leaders, I can promise you that you will grow faster than you otherwise would. And that in my book is an achievement of the revenue operations function that adds to revenue. Mm -hmm. um, and, and by the way, those are things that, you know, C-level is really interested in. C-level is not interested in, oh, I just rolled out this new uh, validation rule. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, this ongoing, hey, the, the, the sales guys are not updating this CRM. This is, you know, important and stuff. Don't get me wrong. But those, those won't be the tasks that get you promoted. Let's just say that. And we all want that promotion. 
that's that's what it's all about, right? Everyone wants that <laughs> one step promotion for sure. No, but I think you know it's it's interesting, right? Because it's almost very universal what you said. It doesn't have to apply just to revenue op- operations, mm-hmm. right? There are certain things that your stakeholders are going to care about and things that they just don't, right? Yeah. And the fact that you have a partner. Uh, if so, I'm speaking with the marketing head on, mm. obviously, obviously, right? So, if you have a partner that really is focused on revenue mm. and understands the full funnel from marketing, sales, CS, mm. that's definitely someone you want to spend time with and collaborate with in terms of the plans you're making and whether you're actually driving either fast enough or the right projects forward. Mm-hmm. And you know, to this point, I think. Revenue operations leaders or professionals should be able to answer some of the following questions. Let's just say not easily, but they should be able to. If the CFO or the CEO say we have an additional headcount to spend, where where should we do that? Right? And if those folks ask the VP sales, guess what the answer is going to be? <laughs> If those folks uh, answer the, the, the CMO, the VP marketing, guess what he or she is going to say? And and the list goes on, right? It's always very subjective. It's always, hey, you know, my team, my team, my team. And uh, the the obvious team and or person to ask is actually revenue operations. They sit across the whole funnel. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm really only zooming in on the commercial or the revenue uh, yeah. part of the organization here. But revenue operations could basically say, I think we have too much quota already. We don't need more sales reps. We actually need more pipeline. And therefore, instead of adding another headcount, maybe maybe it could be more. But I think some of those more detailed questions maybe then left up to the VP marketing. Yeah. But basically doing a you know an analysis on on where are we weak and why. Yeah. So this is you know one question. Another one could be where should we cut an additional headcount mm. or budget? Right? And again, if you ask the different heads of the different departments, well not me, the <laughs> <laughs> right? So, you know, and, and I understand that, but who else than revenue operations is going to make that, uh, yeah. make that decision or help make that decision? Yeah. So we want to get to the point where if, if you're listening out there and you're in revenue operations, we want to spend time impacting the revenue at the end of the day. And how do you do that? How do you make sure that revenue operations is not just treated like a ops team? doing tech tooling data and servicing the business purely, mm. but actually driving forward an agenda and, and making sure that we set the right goals and we reach those goals. Mm. So there are two ways to it. Obviously, you could say, maybe the CEO wakes up one day and just asks you to do it. Right, easy. <laughs> Organizational change achieved. Done. <laughs> so you're saying send an email to the CEO? We need. <laughs> so that's my point, right? It, it, it can actually obviously happen like that. I think the way it can happen more organically is by starting to have and organize monthly and quarterly business reviews. I think that's probably the start. Uh, that that agenda might look different from organization to organization. I think revenue operation professionals can probably figure out who are the right stakeholders to have on those sessions. And maybe you start out small uh, and maybe, maybe not in the first session, but maybe in the next one, you start asking about, hey, what should we do about this issue over here? Yeah? So if you're going to do a, a quarterly business review, mm. let's just 
actually, you know, double click on yeah. that one and talk about what should it contain? Because you can do a lot of things. And I think if you look at marketing, you can deep dive into spend performance on just the demand capture part. Mm. So from a RevOps point of view, if we're saying you should go and start this cadence with the revenue carrying leaders, how should they approach that? I think it should probably start, let's just say department by department. That's probably how I would start it, or I have started it actually. You do in uh, a specific, uh, either monthly or quarterly business review, depends on the cadence of your company, for the VP of sales. And in that overview, you basically kind of uh, show two things. You show the funnel and how it's progressing. Uh, and there can be a bunch of different overview pieces here. And in the beginning, you won't have targets. So mm. all of this will be just be numbers. Yeah? And um, and ideally, you try and kind of build something in there that's already forward-looking. It's already trying to achieve, hey, if we continue with this pace, the, the, the target next quarter is going to be difficult. I, I don't think you will add much to the conversation to the VP sales pointing out that this target is, is difficult. I think VP sales actually get annoyed when you say that because they know already and they can't sleep because of it and mm. they don't need someone else to tell them that as well. But really, if you can, for that person, start thinking about the future and you know how to fix those problems in that QBR session or monthly uh, business review or whatever, I think that's extremely helpful. Yeah? I think you would then move on and probably do the same and or similar for VP, VP marketing, VPCS. And really, the, the coolest thing that you can achieve is to have all of these leaders in one room and and go through something that is a little bit more high level, right? Because you can't go into the details with all of them. Mm. And usually what you want to achieve is you create a overview of, hey, this is what's going on in the business. And then let's deep dive into the areas that maybe aren't going great. And then let's discuss why they aren't going great. And ideally, let's discuss how we can fix those, right? And again, that was kind of that is the, the next evolution step. And sometimes you can get there, you know, in the first session, sometimes it takes a couple to basically have a conversation about how, how are we going to address this? What is the solution to this? Who's going to take action? What is the action going to look like? And then ideally also follow up on did it actually happen, right? And pro tip, never have more than one action coming out of a QBR. I had QBRs with like 20 actions coming out of it, all of them fantastic. And none of that happened. And then we boiled it down to three. Still, none of it happened. It's one one thing only. Yeah. Uh, and not per person, but you know, for that quarter to focus on. And um, that that is that is an approach to organically grow those QBRs, right? And then really what you want to achieve is that this is becoming a habit for the organization, that this is a, th a document that the CEO is looking forward to. Uh, because basically for the CEO, this could become the scorecard of your revenue function. And and usually CEOs obviously kind of, you know, depends, uh, very much involved with the business. But usually they really only see whether or not the revenue number hit in the end of the quarter or the year. Everything before that is really difficult to keep track of. And this QBR thing actually gives the CEO the, the opportunity to have a good conversation with the VP of sales, have a good conversation with the VP of marketing. And that is, that is how you as a revenue operations professional provide value to the commercial functions, but then actually eventually end up in a board meeting uh, explaining to maybe even the board, you know, why things are going good or not. 
But I think it's also cool, right? Because if you're running this cadence with a VP of sales, you're not going in there saying, oh, this is going to be a tough quarter, but you're saying, hey, here are some things you can do. It instantly builds trust because mm -hmm. it shows you're on the side of the same person rather than saying, okay, you need to get your shit together, yeah. right? No one wants that. And that means you build trust with that person. And at the same time, the CEO is really going to care about this because this is something that impacts revenue. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds to me like this is the the slow start to something that needs to evolve over time. There's not a, yeah, just click this button yes. in your project management tool and then you have revenue back in RevOps. That's that's not the way to go about yeah. it. Um, we're slowly running out of time here, but I'm hoping maybe there's one or two more things that you think could be helpful for RevOps to do in order to continue that focus on revenue. Yeah. I think the, the way to supercharge those QBRs and MBRs is to get to a point where you can define targets for all of those metrics. Yeah, what does that mean? It's not only at the end of this quarter, we want to be at X revenue, but the way we want to get there is with so many opportunities, with that conversion rate, with that sales cycle from those different channels and so forth. And once you have that, then you actually can have MBRs and QBRs where you now compare things. Mm. It's, hey, we said we wanted to hit those numbers in the funnel. We didn't. Now we know that there will be a problem in two, three months time now. You can translate that to marketing. You can translate that to hiring. You can translate that to all kinds of different things. But once you have targets defined for all of those different areas of the funnel, suddenly it's not you doing an analysis and being like, oh, this number dropped. Uh, no, it's like, hey, we all agreed that, you know, actually that number should have increased in order to achieve all of these other things. And now we're behind for whatever reason. And, you know, now it's a much, much simpler conversation to have mm. uh, with the commercial leaders, right? And then the next, and we're going all the way here, <laughs> but then the next evolution is step is, bas yeah, is basically um, to do the same thing on an annual scale, mm. right? Uh, that's what we call a revenue model, where we then say, finance wants to get to x amount of you know new customers or revenue number how we're gonna get there in actuality and actually doing it on the ground right how are we, how are we going to achieve this bottom up um and you know setting this out and creating that path it will change it won't be 100 percent correct but it will uh, give you as a revels professional the you know the superpower to uh, be extremely impactful across the the revenue engine and help steer this whole thing actually towards that target. And you will very quickly see when something is going off and then you will have lots of time to course correct and have really serious conversations with C-level and, and, and commercial leaders. But that is, that is you know, probably the, you know, probably not the final, but that's probably the next step on top of just running the QBRs, but basically having very clear targets and goals to find for all kinds of different metrics across the funnel that make it super easy for you to pinpoint when and where something is going off without you needing to use your relationship capital and say like, I think this went off here. You just need to say, this number is not how we agreed it would be. And there's a delta now, and that delta will result in a revenue loss. And we need to address this right now. Hmm. Boom. I hope this is gonna be helpful. I hope so too. I mean, there, there probably is a book hidden here somewhere. Maybe we need to start writing something. I don't know. I've been trying on LinkedIn, man. 
<laughs> and it's still not working. No, that's not true. Um, but it's cool, and we we didn't melt down in the room. It's it, the temperature increased, yep. but we're good. Um, and hopefully, this results in a good episode. And you know, if you have questions about QBRs or how to get more revenue focus, you can hit Tony up on LinkedIn or hit Brokerlox up on LinkedIn. Happy to interact and share any advice we can. Other than that, thanks for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Bye. Have a good one. Bye bye.